Welcome to Beauty is Eternal. My name is Caitlin. I'm your host, and I have a very special guest today, Dr. Chris Calavart. Hi, Chris. Hello. Hello. Hi. Thank you for joining me on the show. And part of what makes you such a special guest is that you have some amazing credentials. So you're currently a researcher at the Faculty of Bioscience Engineering at Ghent University. You have two masters and a PhD, and you're hosted by Ghent University's the Center for Microbial Ecology and Technology in Belgium, where you currently are, and yes. as well as at Night Lab in California at University of San Diego. And you've had papers published in a multitude of really important journals, just to mention a few, Experimental Dermatology, American Journal of Clinical Dermatology, <laughs> BMC Biology, Plus One, and, and many, many more. So I just want to begin by asking you a question. What attracted you to study the skin microbiome and the armpit biology? Thank you, and thank you for having me. Uh, you uh, immediately bring on uh, the question spot on. Eh? What attracted me to, to, this, to, this, to this field? Uh, well, uh, serendipity, I have to say. Um, just sheer luck has uh, brought me into this field. It was one night with a, with a girl. It was a fun night. Uh, before that, I did not have any body odor at all. But after that night, my body odor completely changed. Suddenly my armpit smelled sour, musty, uh, unpleasant overall. I knew something had happened, but I couldn't pinpoint what. So I started frantically looking up what was going on, what could have happened. Uh, I looked up all the research papers on the armpit microbiome um, back in 2008. That was, there was not a lot known on the micro microbiome. It was not yet, uh, yet a field yet. It was really microbiology back, then, back at that time. But I knew at some point, yeah, I caught those bacteria and they made the, the bacteria, I made a mine on my skin. Uh, they joined my skin microbiome and they didn't go away. No matter how many deodorants or, or soaps I used, they stayed there forever. So, well, my idea was if it's possible to pick up a bad bacterium, it is also possible to get rid of it and to also, uh, if it's possible to pick up a bad odor, it's also possible to pick up a good odor. So um, with my investigations uh, into the literature in mind, I went to a couple of professors. They all found it a good idea. And my idea was basically to transplant bacteria again. Um, they all found it a good idea. And so I began my quest for a PhD. So I started in uh, 2010, 2011 on a journey uh, to investigate all, all about this under our microbiome, clothing microbiome, um, how, uh, what bacteria are involved in body odor. I sampled over thousand armpits. I stuck my nose into multiple or into thousand armpits, uh, up to the point that I could identify bacteria based on the smell even. So I became quite an expert in uh, underarm microbiology and odor, body odor generation. Uh, and thus I became Dr. Armpits. It's, it was basically uh, my colleagues who uh, gave me that nickname. We were about in the, in the lab with about hundred researchers in different fields and in, in wastewater treatments in soy microbiology, in water, and uh, even in space microbiology. And I was the only one working on, on skin and armpits. And uh, so they just called me Dr. Armpit to mock with me, but I basically the name says it all. Um, so I quickly embraced it. And so I uh, became Dr. Armpit, yeah. Well, it's a perfect nickname and, you know, explains very concisely what you're all about. 
Correct. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So um, I can see that you noticed from, you know, this situation with the girl that your own body armpit owner auto changed. Um, why is this important? What's the big deal if your armpit odor is good or bad or what's the important about having good bacteria there? Um, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, we investigated that uh, in the lab. So basically about 250 people. We did basically an, a national call for people that have body odor. Uh, we want to investigate more about the topic. So about 250 people came to the lab with self-claimed underarm bad odor. Uh, we took swaps of their underarm microbiome. We analyzed the odor, uh, but we also let them fill in a big questionnaire, uh, a big questionnaire that um, investigated what they ate, what they drank, uh, their lifestyle, their profession and such, but also how they felt about having body odor. And uh, we saw that it had a big psychological impact. Uh, their quality of life was on average lower as compared to other uh, individuals who were living in Western Europe that didn't have any body odor. So they were in general less happy with, with a variety of things. Uh, and there's such thing as cumulative life impairment. Um, so it's just something you have. Um, but some people really don't dare to go out anymore. Uh, they are socially isolated because of it. They don't dare to talk to colleagues, to friends, to uh, in a professional environment. It's really hard to um, make contact. Um, they don't want to go too far from their home. Uh, they want to quickly change a shirt. Or, or do a quick wash or, um, or apply deodorant. It really puts uh, constraints on them. And um, we saw that that impact was even higher with females than with males. Um, so it really impacted their lives on a daily basis, even though it seems very trivial, uh, having body odor does have a big impact on their lives. Well, now that you say it, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That can make you very self-conscious if you want to go out to a concert and you're like, oh, after 30 minutes, people are going to smell me and not want to stand close to me. So, yeah, exactly, yeah, certainly. So is there something people can do if they don't have good body odor or good armpit bacteria? How, how can you help them? Yeah, so there's a couple of things, a couple of tips and tricks that I can give. Uh, one thing, a quick tip is basically wear cotton. Uh, cotton t-shirts, cotton clothes is actually really good. It, uh, it, it harbors and it's, it can uh, recultivate the good bacteria. It's mostly the good bacteria can, that can thrive in uh, cotton shirts. While polyester and synthetic shirts are really bad uh, for uh, body odor generation, it's really the bad bacteria that can uh, uh, grow in there. Uh, and as such, you can have a very quick uh, model odor if you wear polyester and synthetic clothes. Another tip that I can give is um, something you could do about is uh, body mass index. If your body mass index is higher, then people tend to have more body odor and more of the bad smelling bacteria in their underarms. Mm -hmm. So you could try to reduce uh, your weight in general if it's uh, if you're a bit obese. Another surprising thing that we found is that um, people that eat more meat, people that eat more fast foods and eat less vegetables, they also have a worse body odor. And they also have uh, more of the carina bacteria, more of the bad smelling bacteria in their underarms. While people that consume more vegetables on a, on a, on a daily or a regular basis, they actually smell better. Um, they smell better and they have less of the bad smelling bacteria in their underarms. So you are actually also, you smell how you eat. Uh, it's quite surprisingly and also the microbiome adjusts to that. Yeah, your general, your, your biological sex has to do with it as well. 
females smell better than men um, but then again females uh, have a higher psychological impact of body odor um, mm. I would say yeah, don't worry too much about it you're always you will always be the first one to smell your own body odor it's something of this world many people have it there are worse things in life for sure uh, but we're working on solutions uh, so that that can be we can get rid of it uh, because the regular deodorants and antiperspirants they do not work at all they're only a short-term solution they're not a long-term solution at all so we're developing uh yeah sprays with bacteria with the good bacteria inside so that uh, they can actually um, transplant good bacteria back in their underarms uh, so they can tackle the problem at the source what gives them the bad smelling bacteria in the first place good points and uh, there's many things uh, many um, things that could have happened People say, well, it, it happened after giving birth to my child. Uh, it happens uh, upon sleeping in, in another person's bed. It happened after uh, taking medication. It happens after um, sleeping with a partner. Uh, it happens uh, after a um, stay in a hospital. It also happened by coincidence. Uh, many times it happens with, with puberty. So basically puberty hits and then body odor starts to arise. But there's many onsets that can happen, um, and there's not really one thing that really leads to it. The thing is, we all have about 100 different bacteria in our underarms, and some of those are also smelling bad. But it's all about the balance. Um, mm. If that bad-smelling bacteria are really suppressed, and if the good bacteria are really on the upper hand, then you will not smell at all. You will not smell the bad ones. But if at some point these bad-smelling bacteria uh, get the upper hand, then the underarms can start smelling sour or musty. Mm. Um, and that can, can also have to do with, uh, with what you eat or uh, having too much stress. Yeah, also stress has an impact. Uh, the more stressed you are, the more food you give to the bacteria to generate body odor. So yeah, it's really a matter of coincidence, really. Uh, you don't really have it in hand. Um, but one thing that we know is that also antiperspirants, uh, the, the large spread use of antiperspirant is also not helping it. A question what's the link between a bacteria smelling bad and it being unhealthy is that always the case it's not really the link between being unhealthy and and, and and smelling bad we all have to some extent some bad smelling bacteria it's all a matter of balance it can be that uh, a body odor could be uh, a pre an early warning signal for a disease that could be lurking in the body or uh, could be coming out in some in some time there are many diseases that are also linked with, uh, with body odor. We're still a bit scratching the surface of this. My opinion is also that it could have to do with, uh, with some underlying condition in the gut. It's something that is not going well. But it's really, yeah, I'm really guessing there. It's, um, it really requires long-term studies to uh, get to the bottom of this. Well, good thing you're doing so much research. Doing my best. Now that you say that, our our dog we adopted a dog from an animal shelter and he had really bad breath so we took him to a veterinarian to have his teeth cleaned and he had an infection here so the bad breath that we were smelling was unhealthy bacteria that had infected his gums mm -hmm. so yeah. like you were saying it was a warning signal meaning our dog doesn't have a girlfriend yet but if he did it might scare away potential girlfriends <laughs> for him <laughs> Because the bacteria is kind of a warning that maybe something isn't yeah. so healthy here. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Yeah, yeah. 
So yeah, that's absolutely a fact. Uh, also halitosis, um, having a bad breath. With humans, with us humans, it, 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 it's, it's not usually to do with your mouth hygiene. It uh, is usually to do with, uh, with with something in the gut. It could have to do with, um, yeah, we have this sort of mucus layer in our gut. And if that mucus layer is very thin, then at some point bacteria can start leaching into the bloodstream. Uh, and that bacteria can leach into the blood and then that can have uh, go to the that can go to the lungs and then you can basically have a bad smell uh, as a result so yeah uh, everything starts with having a healthy 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 gut there you have the most bacteria also in your mouth you have a lot of bacteria for sure but in an uh, often case uh, the gut is really a, an important uh, yeah onset mm-hmm. well despite what you're saying about how deodorant and antiperspirant is bad for you. I think for a lot of people, it's still difficult for them to come to terms with the idea that, hey, this is actually bad for me and I shouldn't wear it. What do you say to somebody who's like, oh my God, I can't live without deodorant? I know, I know. I'm, I'm not saying that all deodorants and antiperspirants are bad. Well, I'm not saying that all deodorants are bad. Antiperspirants are good for those that have hyperhidrosis, that have really wet stains under the arms. Um, for that, for them, it's really the best solution, other than you know injecting botox, botox or something. Uh, so it's really the first line solution for people that have hyperhidrosis. But for most of us who do not have wet armpits, uh, we do not we do not need to use antiperspirants. Um, but most of people actually don't really know the difference anymore between a deodorant and an antiperspirant. They see, okay, 24 hours protection, and they say, yeah, sounds good, uh, that'll be good for me. You can really check on, on the packaging, on the ingredients, if uh, one of the first five ingredients, if it contains aluminium, then it is really an antiperspirant, and then it's meant to stop the sweating. Uh, but the aluminium, in our research, and multiple researches, we saw that um, aluminium salts in deodorants and antiperspirants then have a really Im- high impact on the microbiome. They shift the microbiome completely towards yeah more smelly bacteria. So well, once you use it, it really decreases the bacterial loads to a very low point. So there would no be no odor be produced because the bacteria are so low. But on average, we should have millions of bacteria in our armpits, and you know after a day or a night, they 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 repopulate the underarm. We are, our underarms are meant to have, have a lot of bacteria there, and even if you use antiperspirants, they will come back. But after you use antiperspirants, what bacteria that will come back are not the ones you want. It's really the more stress tolerance. The biofilm-forming bacteria, also potentially pathogenic bacteria, are the ones that have the upper hand that can really thrive in these yeah, stressful environments. So, yeah, antiperspirants are meant to reuse every day, every day. You really become dependent on it uh, until you reach a point like, yeah, I ran out or I don't want to use it anymore. And then it really starts to reek, uh, and then you see what kind of yeah, microbiome you have. It's all messed messed up. So, in general, use a deodorant. Your deodorant uh, basically deodorizes the underarm. It does not contain aluminium salt. It will not block the sweat spores. So you can still your skin can still freely breathe. You can still freely uh, get rid of water there and, and moisture, um, which is a, a normal. Uh, process that go, goes on in the underarm um, and it only deodorizes the underarm um, so that's a bit of a good sense uh, that impact on the on the microbiome is also much much lower so if you want to use something use a regular deodorant or 
even uh, nowadays you can use a, a natural deodorant uh, with more natural ingredients inside. And for people that really want to try, you can try to go off of it. Your first week you will smell bad, but after a couple of weeks it uh, tends to get better. And hopefully you will have a microbiome that is stable and is not smelling standardly. I myself don't use any deodorants already for years. And I'm very happy with my microbiome. I don't smell anymore. You know, it's, it's my natural scent. Uh, it doesn't smell musty. It doesn't smell sour. It doesn't smell like fecal or anything. It smells good in general. Um, I'm happy with it. And I don't, I don't want to mess up my microbiome like, like it once was. Um, so I'm happy with it. And I don't want to mess it up anymore. Would you say that using antiperspirant, because if I understood you correctly, antiperspirant gets rid of all the bacteria. Is that kind of like using an antibiotic? Instead of using it in your gut, you're using it in your armpit? Something like that. It's really biological murder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not like antibiotic because an antibiotic is also like uh, only like a selective amount of ingredients and uh, bacteria can create uh, resistance against antibiotics, anti antibiotics yeah. and antibacterial ingredients such as aluminium. Bacteria can also become start to become more resistant towards it, but they will not create resistance in general against aluminium salts uh, because they don't have that built in into their genome. So we don't need to be afraid of that or not so much. Uh, still, there is, yeah, we see more stress tolerance and more resistant bacteria popping up, but um, hopefully they will not, yeah, they, in theory, they cannot develop any resistance into their genome against uh, these, these uh, metal salts. Well, that's good news. Yeah, yeah. What about shaving your armpits? Healthy, unhealthy, somewhere between? We investigate that as well. And we only, if you shave your armpits um, once, so from hair to no hair, then we see reduction in body odor. But then if people do it on a daily basis, the reduction in body odor is gone again. So it's basically only an impact if you go from hair to no hair, uh, then that leads to temporary improvements. But if you do it on a daily basis, the impact is gone again. My angle on it, my theory is that, um, well, hairs can re retain a bit the odors as well. Basically, underarms are meant to have a bit of a smell. It's a form of non-verbal communication between people, between partners, uh, Animals still have that, still use that. We don't, in theory, we don't use that anymore, but it's still there. We can still smell it. We can still, you know, we still have associations with it. Uh, it's still, it's not completely lost. Yeah, so shaving as such uh, is, is not a bad thing. Uh, it basically also removes the hair and also removes a bit the upper uh, um, surface layer of the skin. And that is also successful in removing a lot of odorants that are really sticky on the skin and on the hairs. So as such, you remove, you remove a lot of, uh, physically remove a lot of odorants so that the odor would be less. Okay, so shaving the armpit is okay, but not every day. You can do it every day, um, but the impact from, you know, shaving every day will not lead to a continuously reduction in odor. Mm -hmm. Okay, I want to go back to something you mentioned before, and this, or uh, just now, is to do with partner selection and um, your armpit bacteria. Do you think that if somebody is wearing deodorant and they stop, that different types of people will be attracted to them? Or if you stop wearing deodorant or start using it, can it change who you're attracted to? They actually done a study on that. And absolutely, they were let people, men and women, wear t-shirts and um, 
for uh, for a night. They brought their T-shirts in, and then people were should should rate those different T-shirts and should say, okay, I feel most attracted to this or to that or or um, that T-shirt. And they found that people are attracted the most to a genetic background of that person that wore it that is most different to to yours. So there is uh, some sort of scientific explanation that uh, in partner choice we we do we still use that, and unsel- un- unconsciously it still has an impact uh, on your selection of, of partner. We tend to select a partner that smells most different than from us, and that also in theory has a completely different gen- genomic uh, background as well, which creates an offspring which will not have any deficiencies in theory or um, um, yeah. Can, will not lead to any uh, malformations in the, in, the, in the baby or something. Well, it's really amazing how much we can detect through s- smell. Absolutely. It's the most uh, uncharacterized uh, sense of the, of the human body. We have lasers uh, that, can form, that can be used as eyes. We can detect all kinds of things. Uh, but a machine that can completely mimic the human nose, it still has to be invented. There are machines that can pick up things and they can uh, try to identify all the different uh, things. But then again, it cannot say whether something smells good or bad. So the human nose is still the most unraveled sense of the human body. Well, you're in the right field. Yep. Most of the land in the world has been explored or a large part of it, but you have like your own continent to explore. Absolutely, yeah, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so you say that your microbiome, your armpit microbiome, will naturally improve if you stop wearing antiperspirants. You know, after a week or so. What happens if that's not the case? Is there a way you can take probiotics to supplement your armpit the way that many people take probiotics to supplement their stomach bacteria? Yeah, good point. Um, and in theory, yes, but it's not available yet. Uh, but that's what we are re- working on. So during my PhD and, and, and in my postdoc, we were doing a lot of uh, trials with people. Uh, first, we did transplantations of bacteria from one person to the other. Uh, it was usually the mom, the dad, the brother or sister. We selected that person. We uh, characterized her under our microbiome. We said, okay, this is a good microbiome with good bacteria, doesn't smell. Let's put that as fresh as possible on the washed armpit of the person that suffers from it. That led to improvements. Uh, we could really shift the microbiome um, up to one month, even more, two months. It could lead to a heavy, significant improvement in body odor. But after a couple of months, it could swirl back again to the original uh, situation. So we were still a bit uh, hungry for, for, for longer results. That's why we were able to uh, put the bacteria into spray formulation. Uh, so people could basically do that transplantation on a daily basis. You could characterize a bacteria, make them uh, shelves, turn them into a powder, put them into a spray, um, and, the, and then we'd have done a clinical trial on about 67 people. And that led to a, a, a massive uh, improvement uh, we saw. I remember one person, he came into the office, he, um, I, I had a bad feeling about this guy because... Uh, he was there with his dad. He said, "The dad said, you come on, you need to, uh, you need to uh, try this.'" Um, he was basically a bit forced by his by his by his parents. So I thought, okay, he's maybe not going to be compliant uh, and not use it every day. But he used it, and his body odor 
changed from from very bad, very musty, very fecal-like, very very sour, to even an underarm odor that was smelling pleasant. It was really smelling nice, even yeah. His his, his body odor completely changed. His clothes smelled better. Um, the people that he uh, interacted with, they all they all noticed it. It was a huge improvement. And also other people, they also saw huge improvements. Uh, one person better than the other, uh, but we were in all cases we were able to shift the microbiome towards a better uh, equilibrium, and we were able to um, eliminate a bunch of malodor associated bacteria uh, that were also uh, staying away uh, after uh, after the use of one month. Wow! So we're working on that, um, still doing some iterations and improvements. Uh, but hopefully it will be available next year, uh, so people can actually buy it and uh, and uh, they can also experiment with with that uh, for themselves. So you mean they don't have to go to their friends or partner who has good armpit bacteria and ask if they can rub their? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's there's good. there's many people that try that as well. Um, many people reached out like, "How do you do it in practice? Can you help me?" <laughs> Um, the thing is, yeah, it, it, it's yeah, it, it re- needs some, yeah, needs a lot of organization, and, and ideally, there's some doctor with it uh, that can help with it. Uh, but people have tried it, and they have gotten some, some to some extent uh, success with it. Uh, but now, with, uh, with with a good bacteria in, into a flask, uh, that's that's really a much more convenient solution uh, than trying to rub somebody's arms, others' bacteria in their arms. Well, because then that person also has the danger they might get the bad armpit bacteria. So. Also, yeah. So it's, way, it's win-win. Yeah. <laughs> well, some of the people from this study, if it's the one I was looking at on your website, are pretty brave. They had their full name there listed. And I was like, wow, that takes guts to agree to have your full name published with whether or not your armpit bacteria is good or bad. So mm-hmm. credit to them. People are looking for solutions. Um, yeah, um, I want to help them as much as possible. But in the meantime, I also try to do research. So um, uh, so now we're really focusing on, on getting that solution out there um, so they don't only have to ask for my permission or something or my help. Uh, they can really t- try it at home uh, for themselves. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that cotton clothing is the best clothing to wear for armpit bacteria health. On your website, I was reading, you also talk about the chemicals that are in a lot of clothing and products, PEGs and antifungals. I didn't know until recently that a lot of clothing is just sprayed in antifungals generally before they sell it in stores. How much do you think that these chemicals that they're, they're using that you know, many of us are buying, how much do you think this plays a role in our, our skin microbiome? Yeah, so there's two things. Uh, I think you read about uh, the study of cos- uh, use of underarm cosmetics and, and cosmetics in general on, on the skin. And they can linger for a long time on the skin and they can also have an impact on the microbiome. And then another thing is clothing, which is, yeah, we can buy at store, is actually treated, not necessarily with antifungals, but really treated chemically. Their diet, their, their, um, yeah, their color, they're then treated afterwards. So they they, they still contain a lot of stuff on 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 the textiles that we should not get in touch with uh, too much with our skin it's also the industry the industry is uh, running on a tight budget Um, everything needs to be cheap everything is done outsourced in low uh, income countries namely cambodia uh, southeast asia it's a bit part of the industry but yeah 
at some point we will come to the realization, okay, our clothes have a big impact on our skin, on our skin micro- microbiome, skin health in general. And that is important too. Uh, we should work with, with textiles, with clothes that are, you know, that, that can protect us, that can have a good impact on us um, and not full of, of chemicals and dyes and, uh, and things that are un- very unsustainable that leach into the environment as well. Um, so that's really important. And we're also having a big research line on this, creating, you know, more sustainable textiles, working with more renewable uh, things uh, on, on textiles, reusing uh, that and also incorporating the good bacteria into textiles um, so that um, we can wear them longer. We don't have to wash them as frequently and it would not smell after an hour of wearing, for instance. How can you incorporate good bacteria into clothing? That's a good question. And we've been working on that for years now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not easy, but it's possible. So uh, you can actually... There's a way to attach the bacteria by padding or by um, dyeing of it or by um, well, there's there's a whole number of, of ways to where how you can attach bacteria. Uh, you can do it in liquid form or powder form, but you can attach them in a way that they are uh, not all released uh, after you wear them or after you wash them. So we're really working on on a way to sustainably release those uh, bacteria over time. Basically, with friction, they would um, basically break open them and then release uh, a low amount of those bacteria so they're going to have a good impact on uh, on our skin and on our older generation. Uh, not easy, but it's definitely possible. And we're now on a, almost on a comfortable level that we can say, okay, uh, it can live, uh, those bacteria can live on the shirt for the lifetime of the shirt as well. Minimum 20 or maybe 30 uh, wash, wear and, and, and dry cycles. Um, which is on average the, the average uh, lifetime of a, of, a, of a shirt. That's really cool. I know it already exists for mattresses. They created mattresses. They called it the, the, the yogurt mattress, uh, so to say. <laughs> they incorporate bacteria in there, uh, which will protect against the house dust mites because there's a lot of bacteria which are allergic to house dust mites. And incorporating those good bacteria inside the mattress, uh, and over time, if you lay on it, or those those capsules will break open, and then will release over time um, the bacteria. And these bacteria are really efficient in, in killing the house dust mites and uh, or preventing them from uh, in, inhabiting and, and housing in those textiles in the mattress. So it's a bit of the idea comes a bit from there. Um, it's a similar concept, but with different bacteria and for a different purpose. Huh. Well, that's really convenient. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Apart from mattresses and washing your clothing, what have you noticed in terms of families sharing bacteria? They obviously share a washing machine. Maybe they share a mattress. Yeah, family members share about everything with each other. So, yeah, there's a lot of sharing going on in washing machines, but also in human contact. Uh, They saw even in sports uh, derbies. If you if this, if it's a contact sport, you also share a lot of bacteria with each other. But living in the same house, if you just walk barefoot on the floor, you can be sure that you will uh, share bacteria through the floor as well. Human contact, contact with each other, floors, you know, tabletops, mattresses, clothes, uh, clothes that are laundered in the washing machine. Uh, the same laundry machine is used, same dryer is used. Yeah, um, there's so much contact points possible. Uh, there's also multiple studies shown that um, family members share uh, bacteria with each other. 
not just with each other, but also with their pets. So if you have a cat or dog in the house, uh, you will also share bacteria with them. You will share your bacteria with your partner and your pets, but your pet will also share their bacteria with, 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 with us. Uh, they run outside, they bring bacteria in, and then they, those bacteria we pet to the, 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 the cat or dog, and then we uh, have those bacteria on our hands. We touch our face, our arms, etc. So we will share bacteria uh, eventually with, uh, with our pets as well, uh, which is a good thing, by the way. It leads to an uh, increase in skin bacterial diversity, mm-hmm. and in general, that's a good thing. So... Um, yeah, we lost a bit of contact with nature uh, and having a pet in the house. That pet brings nature back inside. So it runs outside and then it brings uh, nature back into our homes. And that we've lost a lot so in, in the course of about 100 years, 150 years. Before the Second World War, before the First World War, we had much more contact with nature. We didn't have isolated homes as we have now. Yeah, people were living a lot on farms, uh, close contact with, uh, with, with, uh, with animals or with, uh, with, with the soil. The impact of wearing shoes, for I've done a lot of research on the indigenous populations um, in, uh, in, in the Tanzania, in Tanzania, the Hadza, in South uh, Venezuela and Northern Brazil, the Yanomami, and even in Peru, the Amerindians of Peru. I've done a lot of uh, investigations of their skin microbiome, and their skin microbiome is super, super diverse. They have uh, much more diversity than us. Uh, their microbiome is much less stress tolerant. A lot more um, benign bacteria, even probiotic bacteria, while we have more stress-tolerant bacteria on our skin. And that's because they have a lot of contact with nature. So they they, 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 they live in close contact with nature. Uh, they work, walk barefoot or maybe flip-flops. The impact of wearing shoes has an impact, immense impact on the foot microbiome. We've lo- we lose a lot of diversity with, uh, with wearing shoes. Um, and that can then lead again to smelly feet. Uh, some people suffer from smelly feet. Other people don't. Uh, it's really hard to get rid of once you have it. But it's also a matter of having the right back or the wrong bacteria there. What kind of footwear do you personally wear or recommend? I fortunately do not have any smelly feet. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, I used to have a girlfriend and uh, she used to have smelly feet. And then after a while, walking in, in my house and where I also uh, walked, she got rid of her smelly feet. So uh, she picked up the bacteria from my feet, I guess, and then uh, she got rid of uh, smelly feet. So it's really a way of um, exchanging bacteria and as well, as well getting rid of um, malodorous them. I mean, if you have, if you have uh, no smelly feet, don't try anything antibacterial there. And we did a study on that uh, in California and... Um, we investigate the impact of, of an anti-odor foot powder on a dozen people, on 12 people. And um, one person who used to have smelly feet but didn't have smelly food anymore, and that person used the anti-odor foot powder. And after that experiment, he picked up that bad smell again on, on, on his feet. So uh, it can be as easy as, as um, trying to kill the bacteria and then one bacterium gets the upper hand and that leads to smelly, smelly odors again. So it's really, uh, if you do biological murder, it's really an experiment. Uh, we do it on a daily basis, but without knowing. And um, it can have consequences, yeah. It can turn into a vicious cycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one thing I um, have learned about the beauty and health industry, a lot of companies don't really want to solve your problems. It's not really in their interest. It's better to have a subscriber than a one-time <laughs> purchase. So if they can do something that temporarily helps your problem, but meanwhile 
actually makes it worse, then they'll make you dependent on their product and they can ensure that you buy their product once a month for years rather than just buy, buy it once. What do you think about this and how does this affect how you run your company? Yeah, well, the industry indeed is, 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 is aided if there's a recurrent buy, absolutely. And that is the case with medicine, that's the case with uh, cosmetics. I tend to see the good thing in it. Um, people or, or industries didn't really know about the microbiome until 10 years ago. So they, they did it because it helped. It helped on the short term and as such, it's a solution, right? They didn't know the long-term consequence of it. Uh, so if you don't know, you don't know. Huh? Now we know better and more and more research is trickling through and now we, we, we understand the microbiome better. We know the importance of it. We see the importance of it. It helps us protect against uh, diseases. It helps us protect against uh, bad smells. And now there are certain products that start to sprout up that contain ingredients that will help the microbiome. There will be prebiotics or even probiotics or postbiotics, um, things that we can actually aid the skin microbiome instead of killing it all. I wouldn't see it in, in such a bad way. It's really a matter of the world constantly evolves. Uh, we constantly learn new things. And um, yeah, a lot of people are still helped with conventional deodorants or antiperspirants. But uh, in my opinion, it's time for, uh, for an improvement, for an upgrade and, and, and time to come. Yeah, that all of us have knowledge about uh, what we're doing on a daily basis and that it um, shouldn't have consequences. Well, it sounds like the probiotic armpit care that you're developing, that once people change their bacteria to the better bacteria, it's self-propagating in a lot of cases, right? They won't need to keep using it. Yes, for most people, it can happen that it, it comes back. Bacteria is also present in the deeper layers. Stress uh, or, or, you know, if you produce more apocrine sweat, it can lead to more food for the bad bacteria and then they can come back over time. So it's also a lot of um, environmental factors that have a role in that. But indeed, what we see is that people say, okay, um, in the beginning, we will use it on a daily basis. Then afterwards, a couple of times per week, then maybe once per week, then a couple of times per month. So um, it can really help in, 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 in establishing a better microbiome there. And... Yeah, help tackle the problem from, from uh, at the roots and uh, so they wouldn't have that problem anymore. It's really a sustainable solution. Yeah. Really resolve Well, that's important to try and get to the root of the issue rather than just coat the issue. Well said. Uh, I have a question for you. So I uh, stopped using deodorant about 10 years ago. So we met through my friend Maria. She said, you have to talk to Chris because I nice. told her I don't really wear deodorant. And uh, and my husband can verify I very rarely smell bad, only if I haven't showered in too long or if I'm wearing, you know, bad material or something. But what I do sometimes is I mix together coconut oil and baking soda. Is this an okay thing to do? Am I still doing the same thing where I'm limiting all the bacteria or is this an okay alternative? Because... You know, if I'm going somewhere important, I don't want to take a risk. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, baking soda is really conventional. Uh, do it yourself. Do it at home. Do it yourself solution. A lot of people try it. Um, baking soda really helps in eliminating odors. It really 
cuts the odors and, and, and kills them at the source. Um, so, big, But it can be, uh, for some people, irritating. It can really lead to a, a red rash in the underarms. Uh, so for some people, it really uh, has an irritating effect on the skin. And coconut oil is, is um, in itself is also a little bit antibacterial. It contains mid-chain fatty acids, which are which will, which is very natural and which will also inhibit and um, kill bacteria to some extent. Um, not completely killing bacteria, but really uh, sustaining at a certain level. Um, yeah, the lauric acid, the myristic acid in coconut oil which is much higher, higher uh, in concentration than, for instance, in, in olive oil. It has a really uh, a very well, um, a very proper antibacterial effect, which will also lower the bacterial load there. Um, so these two things combined, it's also, it gives a good feeling on the, on the skin. It smells good as well, um, together with the, with the um, baking soda, which uh, quenches the, the odor molecules, which breaks it open. Um, it's, convention, it's a convenient solution, yeah. Okay, well, thank you. I would like to know more about your personal skin and armpit care routine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you're comfortable. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I almost, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's almost inexistent. <laughs> uh, I don't really use anything, actually. Um, yeah, uh, I would only smell even with certain shirts. Uh, some old shirt or something or synthetic shirt uh, that could sometimes smell but I, I have studied my own underarm microbiome I studied when it was smelly I, I knew there were a lot of carina bacteria there and then after after three after two to three years um, it shifted completely now I know what kind of microbiome I have it's a good microbiome it's, it's well balanced no longer the smelly bacteria present there uh, and I like to keep it that way don't want to play with it anymore, so I don't use any deodorants. Uh, any, 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 it's for sure not an antiperspirant. I have used a couple of times my underarm spray, so I know the impact, uh, and it's, it's, it's a good impact. And in all honesty, I also don't use soap or the or shower gels. Um, also, no uh, shampoo. Um, I also stopped that a couple of years before Corona. There was a colleague who tipped me and said, "Yeah." I don't use any uh, soaps or or, um, or, or shower or um, shower gel or um, shampoo anymore. And I said, "Well, your hair looks fantastic. How do you do that?" <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, the impact was okay. The first week was really hard. It was a bit greasy, you know. Uh, but now my hair is yeah, this is fine. It's not like you know your your typical head and shoulders feeling afterwards. <laughs> uh, but it's it's really soft. It's um, it's it, it feels well. It. Don't have any flaking as well. Um, yeah, I'm really happy with it. So I don't use anything in the underarms really, and very seldomly only a shirt would smell if I would sweat a lot. Uh, but in general, yeah, no. Very happy with it, and like keep it like that. <laughs> Do you use any body lotions or skin lotions on your face or hands or anything? Um, no, I've I've had a bit of acne on my face. I've used a couple of products in the past for that, um, but I have shifted my diet also during Corona, and that has had a great impact on less amount of uh, acne. So I don't use anything on my face either, uh, just plain water basically. I'm, I'm basically, I'm a farmer's son. I used to live on the farm with greenhouses. 
live with the with, with the chickens with uh, between the crops uh, was growing flowers and plants and whatnot um, I like nature and I like anything natural um, I don't like anything that is you know foreign to my skin in my opinion you don't need anything on your skin basically the lipids that you produce on your skin are also help help to preserve your skin and it makes it uh, makes your skin appear young and, and, and vital and, and natural so removing those skin lipids that's the thing that we do where we basically use uh, shower gels shampoos to remove all the lipids and then we try to smother it up with other uh, other lipids again which are not natural which is basically comes from from a plant or from a from a cow it's not the same uh, consistent it's not the same ingredients as it should be from uh, from your own natural skin so basically i would say preserve what you what you produce yourself instead of uh, putting something artificial there yeah well let's say somebody is inspired and they would like to reduce the amount of products that they're using or they want to stop everything how long would it take between them saying okay no more antiperspirant deodorant skin lotion shampoo foot lotion whatever before their their skin would come into balance like yours is it will not be as easy as uh, from today to tomorrow eh? um, and there's many impacts it's what you eat as well stress has a big impact uh, but i think an easy one to do is really to try to look at your underarm cosmetic does it contain aluminium salts question yourself do i need that am i really sweaty in the underarms if i'm not sweaty then basically uh, put that away and use a regular deodorant and if you're brave enough cut it for a week if you can work from home uh, see what it gives in theory that uh, the theory is uh, for a week or a week and a half it will smell not good you will have a lot of bacteria there uh, but after a week or a couple of weeks it stabilizes and hopefully you have uh, the good bacteria there or the good bacteria can get upper hands over the bad bacteria and you wouldn't have a body odor it's something you can experiment at home um, no guarantee on success uh, but it's definitely worth a try you know uh, and then if you can cut loose from any underarm products that would be already grade eight your underarms should have some a lot of bacteria um, we've always had uh, throughout history of mankind for hundred thousand years we had hair there we had a lot of moisture there we had a lot of sweat there so that's perfect breeding ground for a lot of bacteria so it's normal to have a little bit of a scent there um, your partner can be attracted to it so yeah if you're brave enough test it and see what it gives one great thing about your plan is you save money also yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. so you can invest it in nice organic cotton clothing <laughs> yes <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Something uh, that uh, my girlfriend tries to, my fiance is uh, is using um, is, is a mask on her face. Uh, it's something temporary, or even there's like also a mask in your underarms that you can try. Um, basically, um, it it extracts a lot of bad things, and then you're left with uh, your natural skin. And then um, that has a good impact on you. Can have a good impact on your face, but also in your underarms. If you remove a lot of those molecules, bad molecules, artificial and odorous molecules, then basically uh, you can remove it all together with that mask, and then you can live free again. Where do I get this mask? Well, there's many masks. Then you can uh, search for them online. Oh, 
even a facial mask would uh, would 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 do the job in your arm. I think. Yeah. Huh. Well, you were talking about the link between diet and your biome, microbiome. What do you recommend people eat or not eat? What do you yourself eat or not eat? Out of curiosity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, try not to eat too much meat. Um, many patients that come to me uh, that suffer from body odor, they say, "Okay, I live a hasty life. I live. Um, I have stress. I live. Uh, things need to go fast. I." quickly grab for fast food uh, i stop by the mcdonald's or you know fast food is a is is, uh, is on the menu on a weekly basis it needs to go fast 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 and that's not good take your time and investigate the ingredients that you eat um, and you can try for every meal that you have what kind of impact it has basically after a meal of a lot of meat it could happen that okay you can have more underarm mall over them um, investigate that with yourself uh, does it have an impact maybe meat does not have an impact on you huh? uh, but i for myself i have went for a while without meat now i um, mainly eat chicken uh, that's the main protein that's the main uh, animal-based pro- uh, protein that i eat uh, i don't eat beef anymore because i've noticed that it, i i react bad on it on, on proton on beef um, even pork sometimes, but I, not not too much, only seldomly. And I'm really well off <laughs> with the, with a vegan diet. I'm not living completely vegan, but uh, yeah. One thing I notice is uh, the black um, spots under my eyes are decreasing a lot when I don't eat meat. So um, it creates you have you have a lot of um, yeah, iron coming in, and it deposits in your in your uh, in your eyes. So. Uh, now I think they should look pretty okay. <laughs> uh, overall, I felt, I felt better as well uh, in, a, in, a, in a vegan or a, or a vegetarian lifestyle. So that's what I advise to people that um, that have body odor. Try to cut down on the meat. Eat it much uh, less frequently. You don't have to go vegan or vegetarian. Just lower, don't, not, not two times a day. Try once a day or a couple of times per week and see what it gives. And that usually leads to an improvement in body odor. Um, also, a lot of vegetables, of course, are important. Um, yeah, there's many ingredients that you can test with. I also try to avoid gluten because I know it has an, a bad impact on me. Uh, I get acne from it. Uh, so, um, yeah. So, how uh, many days a week is it ideal to eat meat, or how many do you eat meat? Um, for me, I can actually have chicken every day. Um, I've noticed, but I a uh, couple of times per week. Um, Maybe I have it every day, but probably I have it four times a week. I also like to have a, a meal with tofu or, uh, or something like that. But again, it's not, and I'm not here to advocate for a vegetarian lifestyle. It's just something that you need to experiment with for yourself. I'm sure there's people that can have meat on a daily basis. Um, but yeah. Um, for sure, I think red meat. They've done a study. They've put uh, 12 men on a diet uh, of daily red meat, and then they put another 12 men um, on a diet of uh, vegetarian uh, vegetarian diets. And then they collected their T-shirts after 12 uh, after a couple of weeks, and that was rated by uh, by an odor panel. And they noticed that the men that were put on a vegetarian diet smelled significantly better, less intense. 
and less bad, less uh, more 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 nice as compared to the men that would put on a diet of uh, daily red meat. So in that little experiment, they could already see that red meat has a direct impact on body odor generation. They didn't measure any bacteria, but they saw okay, red meat has an impact on on uh, on odor generation in the underarms. So yeah. Uh, and also in our experiments on the on the 250 people that came to the lab, we clearly saw significant patterns. The more meat you eat, the the worse the body odor gets, and the worse the more uh, mild associated bacteria you have in their arms. The reverse is true for veg vegetables. So the more if you eat ve the vegetables on a daily basis, uh, then your underarm odor is better and your bacteria is better. That's very very interesting because you know exactly what correlates with an improvement or a worsening of the microbiome. What about dairy? Dairy, it's, um, some people uh, are lactose intolerant, other people are not. Um, Europeans, in fact, it's quite interesting that we eat so much dairy um, and we are not as, uh, we are have quite well adapted to uh, our nutrition with, with dairy. Which is quite curious in itself because in other parts of the world they do not eat dairy and um, they're having a bad time uh, digesting dairy or, or lactose in general uh, in, in the gut. Uh, so probably in our western in our western world we have a lot of bacteria in our gut that can really convert lactose. So yeah, it's really the, the yeah the microbiome which picks up that lost function uh, that we probably don't have in our own human genome. Um, yeah, some people can have it, other people don't. Um, I, for myself, I also tend to avoid it. Uh, maybe hard cheeses are fine. Uh, but uh, I've noticed that, um, yeah, dairy and definitely skimmed milk gives me a lot of acne. So I, I avoid that. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. But it's great that you're able to see all the links between diet and health and clothing and, you know, the direct effects are, are what you study because mm -hmm. a lot of people aren't aware on a day-to-day -day basis they might notice oh i have acne but i don't know why mm -hmm. or i smell worse now but i don't know why yeah. so it's great you're able to connect all the dots indeed indeed it's still a bit of a black box here but uh, after a while you try to see the patterns and there's um there's definitely a, a clear clear-cut um relationship with the gut with what you eat one thing I've noticed from uh, what you've been saying is that people in the past, they were actually healthier than us in some ways, 100 or 200 years ago. Yeah, they've done a study uh, on the Tsimani um, forager horticulturers uh, in Bolivia. This is an indigenous tribe which uh, lives, uh, yeah, a, native, a native tribe that really lives in no close contact with nature. And they do not have any atherosclerosis. They have the lowest amounts of, of uh, cardiovascular diseases in the world as measured today. Uh, as Western people, we have a high chance of, of dying of a stroke of, or having a stroke in general. Um, so there's um, these people do not have any issues with cardiovascular diseases. They've also studied the Hatsa in uh, Tanzania and Africa uh, and compared them with Polish people. And they're among the most happy people in the world. Um, they're much more happy than Polish people. Um, so living in close contact with nature, uh, living, yeah. And they work a lot. Eh? They, they, they have their daily stress as well. They, 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 
they need to work every day to get their food and, uh, and survive. So they do work a lot. They have a lot of big, a lot of workouts, but they're among the happy, they're most happy in the world. Uh, yeah. Well, it's amazing that you're doing all this research only to go back to the past with a lot of it, to what people knew before or experienced. Yeah, in my opinion, uh, it re they really hold a clue of uh, how people should live or, or how we used to live. It's only in the last hundred years that it really completely shifted. Yeah, it's also we also have a good life. Eh? I don't want to don't want to mention it. I don't want to mention that uh, we have a very good life. Uh, we have the most. We have a good health system. Um, we can uh, find new solutions against problems. Uh, but there's also clues that are things that are lost um, that are still present with the indigenous tribes. Um, and those things I want to study, I want to learn them and, and find solution for us, um, for us and our health, yeah. So in addition to studying the secrets that some tribes still have that a lot of people have lost now about health and the body and nature, what else does the future hold for you? I want to continue investigating uh, skin, healthy skin, diseased skin. We're planning a trip to the uh, to the to the jungle in uh, South America next year. Um, we want to study them. We want to also study what the impact of the of the their microbiome on the immune system, uh, their skin microbiome. I want to study much more uh, and see how we can use that information for our benefits. So yeah, hopefully I will become a professor and um, and, and and continue that research path and, uh, and 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 find new solutions for existing problems here in, uh, in our Western world. I have my fingers crossed for you. A quick question: What are you going to do in the jungle with the very strong sun? I'm guessing you don't like sunblock. How are you going to keep from burning? I will use sunblock though. I will definitely use sunblock. Um, but we'll go in September and it's, um, there's also a lot of shade from the, from the trees, of course. It's, uh, there's, there's a wet season there. There's a dry season there. We'll go somewhere in between of that. Um, I will bring sunblock. Uh, I don't want to um, yeah, jeopardize my skin uh, for in the long run. Yeah, I don't use it that much. Um, it tends to be uh i tend to have to use it after winter then it's really prone to uh to to burning but after summer like now i i don't really need to use it anymore because my skin has, has adjusted at some point but uh, i will definitely use it there uh because yeah also deet um having a product against mosquitoes will be important uh, i don't want to pick up any uh, vector and the um, mosquito-borne virus um, and bring it home with me. No, that wouldn't that wouldn't be a great ending to your trip. Indeed, indeed. So, um, Chris, where should listeners and viewers go to learn more about you? Where can, where can they follow you? Where can they see your research? I have a website, drarmpits.com, and uh, I'm also active on Twitter and on Instagram. I'd like to give uh, tips and tricks there. Uh, and my handle is at Dr. Armpits. Very convenient, very easy to remember, very catchy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really enjoyed this time speaking to you. I've learned so much in this hour. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. You're welcome, you're welcome. It was a pleasure. Thank you.